0: R E A R E A R E A
1: R E N Audio R E A Audio R E A Audio R E A Audio Audio Audio
0: R E A Audio Reemployability
1: Reemployability. So I want to start out probably a little bit different than you would expect. If you're not driving, close your eyes for me. Take a few deep breaths. Clear your mind. In fact, to help. How about we have today's conversation on the beach? Isn't that nice? Now, if I say noble professions, what are the first few things that come to your mind? Maybe some of you think of a doctor or a nurse or a teacher. It's pretty noble. How many of you by show of hands said a lawyer? Probably not too many, right? Well, I am hoping that I'm gonna be able to change your mind on that because our guest today is Yashika Williams. Uh, She's an attorney that works in the workers' comp world. And uh, the way that we talked before she came on really, really impressed me into realizing that there are some very noble attorneys out there. And I think she's one of them. Yashika, thank you for being with us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, so do you have a favorite lawyer joke?
0: You know, I'm not a big fan of lawyer jokes, but um, one that comes to mind is how long does it take, um, how many lawyers does it take to unscrew a light bulb?
1: Okay, go for it.
0: Um, it depends on that billable hour rate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it, but hey, what I can remember. <laughs> well,
1: I'm sorry I asked you that question. I appreciate you uh, going with the flow. Um, so actually if you don't mind before we jump into some questions about what we're going to talk about today which is osha and COVID, as we're coming out of COVID, how um employers are impacted by that um if do you mind telling who's listening right now a little bit about your story and how you got into the profession that you're doing now
0: sure um I am Yashika Williams, I am a 18 year attorney. I've been practicing in workers' compensation for the last 15 and a half, almost 16 years. Um, I started out attending Stetson University College of Law, got an internship at a great law firm in St. Petersburg, Florida, in the civil liability department. Um, Got hired on after graduating uh, law school and within a year and a half, the work comp division of that firm needed a new associate. And so I got moved over to the work comp division, and I was very nervous. Um, it was considered kind of the redhead stepchild of the firm. I won't name the firm. It was right. a great firm, but I won't name it. Um, <laughs> but when I went to work in the department, I loved it. I didn't realize that I could um, that I would enjoy it so much, but I really did. And so for the last 16 years, I've been practicing in insurance defense, focusing on workers' compensation, and I love it.
1: You know, it's funny that we were just on a a trip and we were talking to a couple of risk managers uh, across the country. And I asked that question to almost everybody I meet in this industry. And I don't think a single person has said to me, well, I went to school because I wanted to get into risk. I mean, everybody seems to fall into it, but those people that are good at it love it, right? And they, they embrace it and they love it for any number of reasons. And you had told me that you loved it because you have the opportunity to help any number of people, whether it's on the employer side or on the injured worker side of things, which I thought was a, was a really interesting take on, on what you were doing. So thank you so much for being with us. And, I, and like I said, I'm sure that as we go through some of our uh, conversation here, people are gonna understand that, that you are on the side of, of those people that need it the most. So thanks so much. So we were going to talk a little bit about OSHA. So OSHA just released uh, several weeks ago their COVID workplace standards. Uh, Now that we're coming out of COVID, very uh, government, I think, uh, (laughs) but just what you would expect from a government agency to release things as we, uh, I don't want to say don't need them anymore because I know we do need them. Um, What is your take on some of those standards that came out?
0: I'll be honest with you. A lot of the standards are very similar to what we were doing before, right? So hand washing stations, keeping the surfaces clean, um, providing uh, opportunity for um, the employees to um, remain six feet apart, encouraging social distancing, training the employees on the COVID policies of the company. But there are a few things that stuck out to me, um, which was implementing physical distancing for unvaccinated and otherwise at risk employees. So we're in the post-vaccination era, right? I think we I just read that there's probably about 300 million people who've been vaccinated or have at least completed their first round of vaccinations, their first shot. And so what, the, what OSHA is saying is employers have a responsibility to um, protect their unvaccinated employees. They also suggest providing unvaccinated and otherwise at-risk employees with face coverings or surgical masks. Um, unless their work tasks require a respirator or other PPE. Uh, one of the things it also mentioned is for your employees who have, um, who are maybe deaf, they may require you to provide face coverings that are clear, like the face shields. Right, the face, right. Right? Okay. Uh, and I thought that was really good that they're taking into consideration the total population of people um, of our employee personnel. Mm-hmm. They also talked about encouraging those who are visiting employers to be, if they're not vaccinated, that they should be wearing masks. Visitors, guests, um, an unvaccinated personnel. And so, what it really is addressing more so is how do we treat our vaccinated versus unvaccinated population in the workplace? Mm-hmm. And I thought this was pretty, pretty good.
1: But that opens up a whole other question, right? So, at what level are employers uh, can they ask? Can they can employers re- require you to prove that you've been vaccinated or not?
0: Yes, they can. And I'll tell you, um, I looked at the EEOC. They issued an update on uh, COVID May 28, 2021. And the key updates are these. Equal employment opportunity laws do not prevent an employer from requiring all employees who physically enter a workplace to be vaccinated. I didn't know that that would be a possibility, but they're saying you can require your employees to come back to work requiring to be vaccinated. You also can um, give certain incentives to your employees who are vaccinated. I've heard of employers who are offering gift cards or um, certain perks to people who are vaccinated. And also, if the employers are actually administering the vaccine, they may offer incentives for those employees to be vaccinated unless it, the um, incentive is course up.
1: So, what sort of pushback would you expect? Uh, you know, if if an employer decides that they are going to require vaccination, mm-hmm. there's always going to be those people that y- you're you're going to have that ner- you're going to get nervous before you talk to them because you just kind of get a sense of where this is going to go, right? How how should a a risk manager or an HR person who has to have that conversation with an employee about requiring vaccination? Um, what sort of tools can they have in their toolbox to be ready to to um, handle those objections?
0: That's a great question. I would encourage every employer who is going to require their employees be vaccinated before returning to the workplace to first and foremost go to the EEOC's U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. They put out these guidelines that provide um, to you, they give you the tools, what you are and are not allowed to do. Because the purpose is this you want to protect those people who are unvaccinated and who are special risk. Because there are some people who may not be able to get vaccinated, be it for um, religious reasons, be it for health reasons, right? There are some people who should not be vaccinated based on those things. And there are some people who don't want to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And so the employer has to decide you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to have this hard conversation? And then what happens? I would encourage the risk manager to talk to their labor and employment attorney because that person will also be able to give them very good tools to use when they're having these tough conversations. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that there are places um, all over the globe who are having these conversations, including Houston Methodist Hospital in Texas.
1: And, and what, so what makes you bring them out as an example?
0: Well, they require their employees to um, be vaccinated in order to keep their jobs. I think they gave a deadline of march thirty first mm-hmm. you have to be vaccinated or at least have um, secured your first shot of the two shot vaccination
1: in order to return to work okay from a from the perspective of a risk manager or an hR person, um, if they want to Uh, actually require vaccinations moving forward is there a a practical uh, list of steps that you would suggest that they take like what do they need to be prepared with before they make that announcement to their workers that are coming back
0: I think they first and foremost need to set up a timeline right so you need to have a timeline that includes education of the employee about what the requirement is and why Sometimes employers don't want to tell the why, mm-hmm. but I tell you what, if you explain the why, many times that will reduce some negative pushback that you may get or resistance from the employee. Mm-hmm. We're all adults. We want to know the why. We want to know why are you making us do this? You know, mm-hmm. Tell them the benefit that you see in having the employees vaccinated. Tell them what type of timeline you're going to provide to them for them to get vaccinated. Um, and tell them the repercussions that will occur if they don't get vaccinated. I think if you do those things, it puts you in a better position to um, educate your population of employees and also helps to reduce some pushback that you may receive. And it allows some conversation to take place. You have to look at it on an individual basis because there are some exceptions to the requirement if the person has religious beliefs that prevent um, them from receiving the vaccination Those are things you have to take into consideration. It's not a blanket of policy that will automatically apply to everyone.
1: Is most of this information in those OSHA guidelines, or is there another place that you would suggest people go to kind of educate themselves on kind of what this new world looks like?
0: I would say start with the OSHA guidelines because it tells you what the responsibilities uh, are of the employer. And also go to the EEOC because they provide an outline of the technical um, updates that have been made to. Um, the, the workplace on what is or isn't allowed according to the EEO laws, specifically with requiring vaccinations, incentivizing those employees who've been vaccinated um, and providing education to employees and their families about the benefits of vaccinations.
1: That's perfect. Yeah, Chika, thank you so much. Um, we're going to wind things down right now, but you are going to come back for another episode, right?
0: Yes, I will.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Next week, Yashika will chat with us about perceived and subjective injuries and offer some great practical advice on how these types of claims should be handled. Isn't Yashika awesome? If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, don't be shy. Email me at todd at reemployability.com. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content, including webinars at reemployability.com follow us. Come on, just do it. We appreciate it so much. Have an awesome week.